Welcome back to the Locker Room Podcast, podcast number 55. I'm joined as usual with Stevie Poocher. We've also got ex-Carlo legend and current manager of St. Sylvester's in Dublin, Daniel St. Ledger, to review the halfway stage of the National Football League. But before we do that, just a quick word to our sponsors, Ripped, for supporting the podcast. Ripped's online platform provides coaches with everything they need to optimize athlete performance. We certainly use them here at Daily Sports Science. Head over to rip.app for more information. Daniel, we start with Division cool. 1. And I think there, if you look at the sort of halfway point, if you, if you look at Dublin, the story so far has to be Dublin. Uh, they've conceded 671. They've scored only one goal and 51 points. Their first defeat to Kildare in 20 years. Um, you're obviously working up there in Dublin. You're with St. Sylvester's. Uh, have you any inside information about what's going on there? <laughs> things don't tend to, to flood out too quickly you know it's kind of st- staying put from the Jim Gavin era but um yeah it's a it's a funny one like y- you can probably look at it in isolation in the in the last four games of the league and kind of look look at how things have been going and there is a bit of a narrative of you know missing players and different things but uh, like when you, when you actually look at it in a broader picture you could probably go back to Wexford Park last year first round of the championship you know and a lot of the same kind of failings were, were kind of were, were kind of coming to the fore, you know. There, there's a general kind of lethargy, I say, around Dublin at the moment, but they almost look a little bit bored of the game, the, the style of game that had got them to, to six All Irelands, you know. And like the Wexford game, then Mead, and then Kildare, and the, there was just a general a general bit of a malaise and turnovers like that. You just wouldn't associate with it with a Dublin team of old, and it's probably their greatest curse. They're going they're going to be compared to the Jim Gavin era for the next however long until they win another All-Ireland but it's um I, I'd be kind of worried insofar as that it's it's a consistent pattern and you know I'm sure they've all the analysts in the world that are looking at these things and if you're consistently having probably I'd say they're close to between 15 20 25 turnovers a game that surely has to be something that's that's kind of been brought up in team meetings before trainings whatever the case is and if that's consistently happening happening over a number of games you're you're going to start to see little cracks appear, and even looking at uh, looking at the Mayo game from last year earlier, I was obviously very busy in school. But I had a quick look back at the semi final, and you know, for, for the last for the second half of extra time, Dublin look absolutely gassed, and I, you're just start, starting to wonder: Are they because the turnover rate has probably doubled from what they previously had? Are they running so much more, especially middle third players? Are they putting so much more pressure on themselves, getting up and down the field? You know, and there's all these little bits and pieces, but. As I said, if you're looking at these four games that have just passed in the league, you'd say, okay, fair enough. They've got Conor Callan, Paddy Small. They've got Johnny Cooper's back in the weekend. They've definitely, like a huge amount of James McCarthy, even huge amount of players to come back in. But I know myself, if I had a team, no matter who I had or didn't have, you'd still want them playing in a certain manner and you'd want them playing to a certain kind of structure. And at the moment, I, do, I just don't see anything discernible, really, you know, and like, I'll kind of caveat this, but I still think they'll get to a last four. I still think they'll probably get to an Ireland semi-final just be based on the individuals that they have. But like 11 of 11 of the team that played against Kildare on, uh, at the weekend started in the Leinster final last year. So that, that would just make you wonder a little bit, like what, what is going on in the training field? Because as far as I can see, there's a little bit of a disconnect there somewhere. And you mentioned their training. Uh, Longford are the only team that have conceded more goals in, in all four divisions. What do you think uh, Dublin will be doing in training this week? You know, what do you think Desi will be addressing in training? Or will he just sort of look at the video analysis or will he directly address it on the training field? 
Yeah, I, it, it's, it's very hard to tell because I, I just see their main problem defensively is actually coming from the attacking third of the field. The, the, the turnover rate is just crazy and, and they seem to be playing in a constant state of scramble, you know, where they're defending running towards their own goal consistently. And now, in fairness, they're, they're defensively, they were probably a little bit more solid at the weekend. You know, Johnny Cooper was back and he kind of held, held ship a little bit. But again, I don't think that's structure. I think that's him using his head a small bit. Like, there was one stage in the second half where Dublin kind of put on a bit of a middle third press. And I saw, I think it was Lee Gannon was standing at the Kildare centre-back, kind of hands-on. And this was in the Kildare half. And it, but he wasn't really doing anything. The player was passing him by. And you have other players dropping. And, and there just seemed to be... A slight kind of disconnect between what what is the actual what are we trying to do here? Are we going to get organised, get to a point in the field where we then we set up, we turn, and we try and defend, or are we putting this high press on? And there seemed to be kind of a little bit of a mix of everything going on. And you know, I actually feel particularly bad and as a defender myself. I'm looking at Davy Byrne in the Armagh game and in the Kerry game, and he's getting absolutely slated. But he's been left on some of the best forwards in the country in one on one in sixty yard space and. Unfortunately, you can get away with that if you can keep the ball for large periods, periods of possession. But at the moment, Dublin are probably, you know, uh, hitting a turnover rate of a turnover every couple of minutes, which, which is just not sustainable, I don't think. And how much of that comes down to, to the manager, the, the turnover rate? Or is it just individual mistakes? Or is it, it seems to be a collective thing here with Dublin, doesn't it? Yeah, I think so. And, and, and definitely on a one-off, maybe a two-off, you can say, right, turnovers can happen. You'll have a day where you're sloppy, like, you know, and that definitely happens. But I, I know myself, if, if, if I had a league game on Sunday and we had 25, 26 turnovers, I would be, that, that sole focus would be on just keeping that turnover rate. And even if it's just keeping it down, and even if that's just for a game, just to get yourself back into, get yourself back into a bit of confidence, uh, get players back into the game a little bit, you know, and kind of bring things back down to kind of a level, a small bit. But I, I just, I, I can't see how this is, I can't, I can't see that it's been encouraged. Maybe they're being encouraged to take risks or whatever it is, but a lot of the time, you, you have to play what's in front of you as well. And you're looking at Newbridge on, on Sunday. It's a tight pitch. The weather's miserable. Like, it's just not a day for kicking ball to inside forwards. It's a day for uh, safety. And it's not the sexiest forward in GA. But the reality is, it's what, it's what got Dublin to where they were, was playing pragmatically. And look, I'm all for playing what you see. And if you see a two and two in 60 yards in space, yes, absolutely deliver it. But... If you have, like I've noticed an awful lot of the time, Lee Gannon and Davy Byrne seem to be their setup players in the middle third of the field. And like, I don't particularly want my cornerbacks delivering, you know, eye the needle passes. I want Karen Kilkenny out there, but he seems to be spending a lot of his time inside, you know. So look, maybe all these things will kind of fix themselves when they get a couple of players back. But still, that would make me wonder, how has this not been picked up on on a regular basis? Why isn't there, um, why isn't there an emphasis being put on like if they have 13 men in front of them, why isn't there an emphasis on ball retention? You know, th that is what got them to, work, to be as good as they were. And it seems like there's maybe Desi trying to put his stamp on it and say, no, we're going to go about things differently. And that's all well and good. But if it's losing you, if it's losing your four league games, you know, maybe you need to have a look at that. Stevie, it sounds as if Dublin have a problem here with, with the basics. Um, something that Dublin traditionally have been excellent at, doing the simple things well, consistently uh, throughout the game, not getting carried away, not putting silly balls in, keeping calm in possession, retaining possession. Uh, they're not doing that, as, as Daniel has alluded to. Yeah. And, you know, Joe, Dan's completely right there. He talks about the 11 players that played last year in the Leinster final. Like, I've got names here in front of me here. Comerford, Burden, Fitz, uh, Mick Fitz, Sean Bulger, Scully, Rock, Small, Fenton, Kilkenny, Brian Hard, Johnny Cooper. They all played on Sunday, you know, so... 
like you, you can start saying experimental, experimental, but it, it's it's not experimental if we're going to be completely honest. You know, Mayo had seven players playing, I think, that played in the All Ireland semi final last year, playing against them last weekend. Uh, in comparison to Dublin's ten or eleven, so you know it's 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 definitely not experimental, but unquestionably, I would have noticed small things last year. Uh, Joe, uh, I would have noticed, you know, mistakes, turnovers, as Daniel rightly pointed out. Turnovers is huge. It's it's the buzzword now in GA, you know, and, and the le- the less turnovers you have, obviously, the better opportunities you have to win a game. But I'm going to throw something at you, lads, and I know it's very simplistic, and it's people that sort of say, oh, that's you know, it's nonsense, but they're 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 getting incredibly bad luck in front of goal as well. And like I, I remember, I remember going back to like even the nineties, and you know, Joe living in, in Manchester University and following United and, you know, they'd be played off the park by a Bolton Wonders and they would still scramble a 90th minute winner or something like that, you know, and, and now they're playing teams off the park and just can't score. And, you know, it seems to be as if they're going through a little bit of a phase now where it's actually become nearly psychological. You know, like the chances they missed Daniel on Sunday were were, were astonishing in front of goalie. Astonishing, nearly overplaying it. And, you know, Fenton gone through one and one. How many times have we seen that and him just bury the net? You know, and I don't think, Joe, I think I'm right and I've said this, I've got it down in my notes. They haven't scored a goal this year, have they? They've the scored one. They've scored one. Oh, sorry, apologies. They scored one goal in the National League this year, you know. And like that, that's, and I've seen uh, the night they played Armagh, they had chances for goals. You know, the night they played Kerry, look at the Kerry game. The goal had dropped into the net and it was, you know, and it was disallowed or whatever it happened to be, you know, and uh, for, for they brought it back for the, I think, for the black card, wasn't it, on, on, on Scully or whatever it happened to be and they got the wrong man. And those wee small moments, like, just seem to be turning for them, you know, and, and listen, it happens. It happens because, like, winning, like winning, losing becomes a habit and they've lost five in a row now, I think, uh, four this year in all competitions. And then, obviously, you know, last year, so five competitive games in a row. And even the O'Burn Cup, and I think, Daniel, you touched it with me as well. I think you might have been at the game or seen the game against Leach in the Bourne Cup. Like, they had probably more turnovers that day than they had in the five years under Jim Gavin. Like, and that's not an exaggeration. Like, it was it was scary, like, the volume of turnovers they had that day. So, yeah, Joe, it is. It could be a fundamental, basic thing, and it could be a psychological thing. And I think Dan hit the nail on the head there as well. Maybe they're just bored and tired. And I know that's an easy uh, thing to hit them with, like, because they, they've been... And let's be honest, I don't think we can also take away the fact that they've been probably the best coached Gaelic football team that we have ever seen, ever seen. You know, they've been the stuff that people have learned off them, the basketball movements, the one in, the four out, the backdoor cuts, you know, the, the screen. And that's all come from Dublin. No one else. And in fact, like, you know, a lot, a lot of counties are, are trying to mirror image and copy a lot of the stuff that they would have done. You know, the high press, the four, the four banks of four, or, sorry, the three banks of four, the 44, they would have called it. And all teams like there's Kerry now introducing this and all of a sudden they're innovators. But it was the dubs who really, really brought the, that, that high level of detail into their coaching. And I think that's one thing that Gavin deserves a lot of credit for was he kept the lid on a lot of that. He kept the lid on a lot of the egos, a lot of the, a lot of the big, big men were kept in, in check, kept in tow. There was, there was zero discontent in the camp. And then last year, obviously you had the high profile uh, unavailability of Stephen Cluxton. And then you had players leaving the panel and that just doesn't, just doesn't happen under Jim Gavin, Joe, you know. So um, I feel for Desi because Benny Coulter said to me last week, your own brother, he said, he said to me last week, he said like, he says, Stevie, Des, Desi's actually won in All-Ireland in his first year, but he could go down as a failure. Do you know what I mean? Like that's, it's mad to think of that, like that he's won in All-Ireland, but could still go down as a failure. And that's, that's the harsh reality of, of being Dublin GAA. Like you're up there to be shot at. And unfortunately, Joe, as you say, the, the headline story is not Limerick top in Division Three, or not yourselves in Division Four, or it's not it's not Armagh's resurgence. It's actually the the big headline story in the four divisions is the collapse 
and how quickly it's just unfolded in, in, in Dublin. Stephen, you mentioned, uh, I'll put this to you, Daniel, uh, you mentioned Stephen Cluxton there, and you also said, you know, they seem to be bored and tired. If Stephen Cluxton was still on that panel, if he was still at training three, two, two nights a week, would he let the players become bored and tired? Would he let those standards drop? Because he was sort of instrumental in all of that as well. Yeah, it's 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 a funny one. Like, it it, it has to come from the top down. I, I think you, you, your manager sets the tone, and I think Stephen and Jim were probably I, I don't know Jim Gavin at all, but just from what I know, Stephen like they seem like quite similar characters, and and definitely there's a level of detail and and discipline that. Um, you could you could see in every Dublin performance, you know, there was no doubt, and 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 they were a really humble bunch, and nothing got kind of nothing got let out. But you know, there, as, as Stephen said, there's been little bits and pieces that have, since the training breach, you know, at the, whenever that was during COVID, and as you said, the players leaving, and even I was looking at at Brian Fenton's body language. I've never seen Brian Fenton get angry or scream at a referee in since he started. And I think it was 2015 we played in UCD in a of our cup games, first time I ever saw him playing, and I've never seen him look look flustered or looked angry but in the last couple of games his body language looks looks off you know and maybe as I said I, Stephen's circumstances he can only tell you himself but like maybe he saw something coming that it was like maybe this isn't quite where it needs to be and as a player you can only do so much and even as big a character as he is and like at the end of the day the manager calls the shots and if the manager isn't on the same wavelength as your, your kind of bigger players maybe that creates a bit of friction. Uh, as Stephen said, it's a very hard act to follow with Jim Gavin. So kind of no matter what you do, you're not going to be able to reinvent the wheel. It's, you're, you're going to be copying in some capacity, you know, and uh, it's an awkward one because if you're, it's like being the substitute teacher, you know, the, the, the normal geography teacher can leave the work there for you and you can teach it as best you possibly can, but it'll never be the real teacher. And I think there's an element to that. Like, and it, I don't know, maybe the, you have to go through a bit of short-term pain for Dublin and it, maybe it's just going to have to be a couple of years of, of kind of, maybe breeding some of the, the the stars out like and, and maybe there'll be a new generation at some point but in the short term in the short term it really is uh, it, the, the body language would be worrying even even Kieran Kenny the same doesn't have the same kind of zip about him you know and these lads are probably being asked to maybe double their workload as compared to usual because you had the Connollys and you've the O'Callaghan's and the other lads to take kind of take the emphasis off them a little bit but um I suppose look the, the paper never refuses ink either and it's a great one for the media to see this happening and as a neutral GA person, I'm, I was kind of delighted to see Kildare win as much as that breaks my heart now to say it, but like it does rejuvenate it a small bit, you know, so from that point of view, it's fantastic. Leinster Championship needed it, needed it, the All-Ireland needed it and all the other teams around it, you can see like there's a bit of zip about about other counties where, you know, I was just looking at last year's All-Ireland semi-final against Mayo, uh, we were on a little honeymoon in, in we were in Wexford at the time and at halftime, I said to I said to Laura, "Come on, we go and get a bit of food." I thought it was I thought it was game over. It was done. And if they had won that All Ireland, which I, I think they actually could have, just by muscle memory, just by by good individual players of experience, if they won that All Ireland, we probably wouldn't even be talking about these four games now. So it's a funny. It was a real sliding doors moment that game against Mayo last year, and it kind of um, it rattled the foundations a little bit. I think. Now, I suppose the next question is. Will Dublin get relegated? Now, their next game, I think, is against Tyrone. It's at Healy Park in Oma. Now, that's a tough game, you know. So, so will they get relegated? It's, it's not beyond the realms of possibility. Like, again, I think the only thing that will save them will, I, I don't know what their injury profile is like, but they need their big men back and need them back quickly. And, and even at that, if you're going to throw James McCarthy and Conor Callaghan in or whoever else is going back and they're, they, they have no game time, is that really an ideal scenario either? Like, 
I, I don't think it'll be the end of the world from the relegated. I don't think that's really the, I don't think that would bother them too much, you know, one way or the other. I mean, it's, yeah, it's a great story and, and how the mighty have fallen and all that. But it, I, I, I like Tyrone next week is going to be, they're scrapping for points as well. Donegal the same and definitely Monaghan the same. And God knows, like, they're, they're three teams that you don't want to be playing when you're, when you're trying to look for, let's say, a handy, a handy five or six point win. Like, it's, it's not going to come, you know. So, and, and this probably, again, stylistically, is going to be tricky for them because the Dublin of old would have taken a sting out of any northern team. You know, we, we saw it in was it 2018 with Tyrone. They'll take the, they would have taken the sting out of the game. They'd have turned it into a bit of a snore fest. But they knew how to win, and that's and they had no problem doing that. Whereas with this Dublin team, I feel like they're trying to prove themselves. They're trying to show that that's not what they are anymore, which I think will feed into like rightly or wrongly, uh, three northern teams who will be extremely well set up. And Stephen, just having a look at the Division One table, there you've got Kerry and Mayo at the top there, both on seven each. Then you've got Armagh and Donegal, uh, then sort of Tyrone, Kildare, Middle, and Monaghan, Dublin <coughs> um, at the end. Uh, so just having a look at Kerry, uh, Stevie, Jack O'Connor, and Paddy Talley in that defence there. Paddy Talley obviously uh, seems to be working wonders there with that sort of defensive setup. Do you think that was sort of the final uh, piece of the jigsaw there? Uh, for Kerry? Well, Joe, like, you know, regardless of what the purists would tell you, you know, Kerry have been setting up, I guess, now for a number of years, you know, uh, and the reason they've been setting up very defensively is because they don't trust their full back line. It's as simple as that. Um, you know, they have, they have obviously, I heard O'Connor's interview on Sunday after the game where he was devastated more so that they conceded a goal because up until that they hadn't conceded a goal in the league. So that they haven't conceded a goal from open play, which is something they're obviously you know, trying to pride themselves on. It must be a little niche within the group that they're obviously focusing on and, and being motivated because he seemed very irate and frustrated that they had conceded a goal, albeit albeit from a penalty. But one thing about them, Joe, and I noticed about them last year myself when I came up against them with Roscommon is their athleticism. You know, the likes of Damon O'Connor and, and some of the runners from the middle third, you know, White and Murphy and these guys. And, you know, that they, they probably don't get enough credit because the... The, the sole focus is on Shawnee O'Shea and David Clifford and Paddy Clifford and and the fabulous forwards that they have. But my God, like they have some serious athleticism in that middle eight, you know. And Daniel probably w- would go back to we talked about it ourselves, Daniel, before about this Dublin team when they were in their plum, you know, and that sort of eight hundred meter type runner athleticism that 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 they all had in that middle third. Your McCarthy and your Fenton, your McCaffrey and these guys, like and and Kerry have that, albeit and they're blessed with. They're blessed with obviously, you know, some seriously marquee forwards as well, Kieran. They look the real deal at the minute, but sure, you know, how many times have they looked the real deal? The only thing I would say is that this year I think is very unique beyond all years because the league is always sort of, yeah, just get through the league, you know, regroup, take a couple of weeks away, come back, go on a training camp, play a couple of games, come championship. Now you have only two or three weeks to the championship. If you make a league final, you could be out in the championship two weeks after the league final. So I think momentum is key this year, Joe. And I think the likes of Kerry and and and, and the likes of Armagh realise that if they can come out of the league with a bit of momentum and a bit of and a bit a bit of 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 real belief, you know, and 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 carry that into the championship, then you know it, it's it's quite perceivably possible that they could win the All Ireland. But one thing I would say is that. And I've said this before. Yes, the league football will stand them in good stead. They're playing Division One league football, and they have come up against a, a, a number of northern teams, or they will have come up against a number of northern teams because I think that will will stand them in good stead. But the Munster Championship's not going to prepare them for an All Ireland semi final. That's the one thing I would say, and I think last year was a prime example of that. 
uh, where they come in after having beaten, I think, Cork 5-21 to whatever it was, you know, and, and they come in and Tyrone are sitting, having been beaten, you know, last year's Ulster champions. This year's, it was the current year's favourites in Donegal. You know, their near neighbours, Monaghan, who were a point or two away from an All-Ireland semi or an All-Ireland final a number of years ago. So, like, Tyrone came in having beaten three really, really good sides at that stage. And Tyrone came in, albeit I know the COVID thing and things like that had hit them, but they came in really, really well cooked. And I felt Kerry came in very undercooked, Joe. And I don't think the Munster Championship is great preparation for Kerry. Yes, they're going well now, but will they will they be going well in the middle of June when you have someone from 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 Munster coming out who are absolutely primed and 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 like Raven Dogs at Crow Park? But listen here, I still think they'll be they'll take all the beating, Joe. I think they've they've been the most impressive team to date. Uh, I know there was there was a bit of a, a high profile, a couple of bit of high profile instances with Jack sort of playing lads that had played Sigerson Cup football and things like that as well. But he's obviously nailing his colours to the mast straight away and saying, look, Kerry comes first and foremost above all. And you know, Paddy will bring that little bit of grit. You know, I've seen what he what he what he brings. You know, here and down, and he's well organised. His training sessions are always high energy. Uh, he focuses an awful lot on, on getting bodies behind the ball and, and being aggressive and, and, and getting your tackle count up. So those are all things that if Kerry can add uh, to the spicy stuff, then who knows where it could take them. But still think, Joe, I still think they might just fall a little bit short. Uh, Daniel, how important is it for you know Jack O'Connor to think about you know when this Kerry team should pick? Because obviously they're playing highly competitive games now in Division 1. Then when it comes to the Monster Championship, as Stevie said, you know, there might be a little bit of a lull and then he'll have to kind of pick it up again for them coming into the sort of semi-finals um, of the championship. How important is it for, for them to do that? Yeah, it's, it's, it, it is like, and like from a, I suppose from a physical conditioning point of view and that kind of thing, I, wouldn't, I, I don't think it's, it's much of a concern. It, it's more so, I, I think Kerry are susceptible to a counter-attacking team and like that, that kind of, you know, as much as we say Tyrone have changed massively since Mickey Hart, like they really haven't in reality, you know, it's much the same setup. And I, I, still, I think that's what will catch Kerry out. And probably, I'm not actually sure which side of the draw they're coming out, but if they caught a Tyrone or someone coming from that side of the, that side of the draw, who will set up properly against them, I still think they're susceptible to that because it, it doesn't come natural to them, you know, and, and as much as Paddy might have brought to them defensively and that kind of thing, I still think there is, like, there's an urge from Kerry people to play a certain way and, and you know, it, it'll be interesting to see kind of what happens because you you won't get that kind of a setup from any of the Munster teams in reality, you know, I know Clare and Limerick are, are doing fantastically at their level, but you know, you're not going to get the same level of intensity that a, a Tyrone or even a Monaghan could, could bring, you know, given the right occasion. So I, 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 I'm kind of with Stephen in this one. I'm not 100% sure if, if, they, if they have made the strides that, that is necessary to get them over the line. Definitely, you're, like, it's, it's going to be, you're, you're still going to be relying on your, your Clifford's and your, and your O'Shea's and, and that, you know, that, that will suit, uh, again, the like of a Tyrone, you know, who have the, man, who have the matchups for them. So, it's it's a tricky job, but as I said, I wouldn't be kind of I wouldn't be kind of celebrating if I was from Kerry just yet. Like it is a phenomenally long season, and there's clearly has there has been a huge amount of work put in to get them to this point. But how long can you sustain that for? And, and I kind of throw the same thing with Armagh as well. How long can they stay at that that the crest of that wave? You know, and there's no doubt both of those teams are, are flying it at the moment. But there there will come a lull at some stage. And as Stephen said, if you have two or three monster games where it's a little bit flat, that could be eight nine weeks, and then all of a sudden you're you're meeting a a kind of a prime team kind of ready to ready to hit you with everything they have in Croke Park. You know, it, it's it's a very tricky scenario, but I, I still think they are susceptible to a to a counter-attacking team. 
also as well, Joe, probably dad, what Daniel said there about Armagh, you know, it's one big one, it's one of the big differences I noticed even from last year, like, you know, involved with Common in Division One. Common would have been in Division One last year and they're, they're they're flying in Division Two at the minute and everyone's fit and they have a full panel to pick from. Like, but last year, you know, you would have lost the likes of you know, young Cal Hennigan, you would have lost big Ultan Horney, an absolute warrior in the middle of the field. And all of a sudden you go into your squad and your squad's just not at that level where, you know, they need to be. And that's where I feel as well, the likes of Armagh, you know, could get caught out if you pick up five or six injuries. And I think, Joe, that's probably what separates, you know, those top three or four counties, Daniel, you know, your Mayos, your Tyrones. Like Tyrone went into the Killer game last Sunday, Kieran. or sorry, Joe, went into the last uh, game against Killer last Sunday with seven key personnel missing. Seven, you know, five suspended and two entries and still dug out what you would call a relatively comfortable win. There's very few, Joe, Division One teams that are fit to do that and able to do that, you know, and I think strength and depth in your squad is absolutely key. And as Daniel said there as well, like if something happened to Rion O'Neill or something happened to David Clifford for Kerry, you know, do they have that real strength and depth to replace those players? And again, go back to the team that we spoke about for a great length. We'll not go back and talk about them any longer, but when Dublin were peak Dublin, which I felt was around tail end of 2017, 2018, they were definitely, definitely peak Dublin then. And for me, like, they were covering handicaps, you know, by 20 points in Leinster comfortably every week. And their strength and depth, Daniel, was absolutely outstanding. Like, coming off the bench, like, the the, the, the personnel that they were bringing into games, like, you know, they were bringing Brogan in, they were bringing uh, McManaman in, you know, they were bringing Mannion in. Like, it was scary, the guys that were bringing in when, you're, when your defence is looking laboured and tired late in games, you know. So, I think, Joe, strength and depth in panels. And I think that's one thing that James Horn is getting right at the at the present moment in time. I've seen Mayo a few weeks ago. They're manic, they're mad, they're mental, but they just play with serious ferocity and intensity. And it's it's crazy because it's, it's really hard to understand how they play, but what they have is they possess some seriously, seriously big warriors there in the likes of Keegan and O'Hara and Mullen and Durkin and Cohen and, and these guys. And they're just... They're just dogs, like they're just warriors, and they'll go to the wall and they'll go to the well many a time. And look, I don't think anyone would, would begrudge them winning in All Ireland this year. But again, there's a lot of demons there to overcome for them to win it. But I, I do feel the fact that they've introduced a lot of these younger lads, you know, the likes of Aidan Moore, or Orman, and, and guys like this, you know, they're, they're it's going to improve them later in the summer because they're going to have experience. And and I know they're using Aidan O'Shea even at the present moment time in a limited capacity. So so that 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 could be. You know, you could see Mayo possibly um, uh, being a contender this year as well. Just to mention Kildare there, Daniel, because obviously they had a good win against Dublin. Uh, Stevie mentioned strength and depth, you know, with, with your team, but also strength and depth in your kind of management team, your backroom team. Glenn Ryan's got John Doyle, Anthony Rainbow, Dermot Early, Paul Galvin. How, how important is, is having all that experience in your changing rooms and, and can it become actually counterproductive because you've got too many big names or too many egos, if you like? Yeah, well, I won't come to the egos, but, but definitely I'd say it's, it, it can be tricky because uh, there, there's no doubt about it. Like you could put 10 people into a room and all 10 people could have a very different opinion on whatever topic you might give them. So like I, I, personally, I'd find if I was working with someone in a management capacity, you'd have to look fairly hard to find someone who thinks relatively the same as you on things. And that's not to say that's right or wrong or indifferent, but it's, it's the important thing is that the messages are the same. And I can, I can imagine all of these fellas have their own individual thoughts on how the game should be played. And I, I'd say it takes a bit of managing itself. Like you have 30 players and you have 20 of a backroom team to try to try and kind of keep, keep all going the one direction. Now, clearly something is working for them because 
in fairness to them, they seem to have kind of grown a set of balls a bit in the last while, and they, they kind of put their shoulder to the wheel a bit. And, you know, the scenes after in Newbridge were, were fairly manic, you know, after Sunday. And I suppose that's probably a, a build-up of whatever it was, 22 years of frustration, having not bet, not bet Dublin, you know, so a massive thing for them. But it's... um. Yeah, I actually, I don't see massive differences in them in anything that they're doing uh, setup-wise or anything, but they're just probably playing with a little bit more heart and especially they probably look a bit ahead of this, ahead of the game conditioning-wise as well, I'd say. Um, and it, kind of like Armagh, will that taper off at some point? And because at the end of the day, blood and guts and running will probably only get you so far. It's it's the kind of the, the more nuanced side of the game when you come when it comes to Leinster semi-finals and finals that you know they'll need. But um, definitely they brought a little bit of heart back to Kildare, which is I suppose from a Kildare fans' point of view is brilliant to see. But um, I it definitely if I had my dream team of managements, like uh, less is more. I think sometimes because definitely too many cooks could spoil the broth. Now look, I'd be open to if Kildare win Leinster, I'll, <laughs> I'll take that back happily. But from my point of view. It's um yeah, there's a high degree of specification. And if all those lads have to get their say in every night, so if each one of those has to do a drill or has to do uh, some bit of analysis, you know, that's probably 50 minutes gone by the time they all have their 10 minutes slots. So look, it, I, I don't know how they're working it, but it wouldn't be um wouldn't be my cup of tea anyway. Yeah, it certainly uh, it looks interesting. Stevie, you mentioned Armada there, the three Kierns. The Armada train has slowed down a wee bit. Obviously, you'll be happy enough with that. Um how do you think? Do you think they'll make a league final? No oh, shit. My mother's my mother's from Armagh, Joe. So I can't believe she's going to stay here. You know what I mean? She's at a landing home near house one day there, and she had an Armagh flag flying at the windy by nearly crashed the car. But no, listen, no. Look, obviously myself and Kieran are very good friends. McKeever, like we get on the best. Like and you know, from a coaching perspective, like I would learn a lot of Kieran. Like and I would I would pick his brains an awful lot of the time. And, you know, things that, that, that obviously from a coaching perspective, just like myself and Daniel, I think coaching, you know, the greatest resource we have is each other and it's great to learn and share and, and, and chat, you know, and I'd meet him regularly there for a coffee or, or, or even an odd paint job, but the paints are very selling these days, as you can imagine. Like, but, but no, listen, Armagh, Armagh for me have been, have been quite impressive, right? And I'll tell you why they're quite impressive. I've said this before, like the down club leagues, and I'm just going to call it out there. Like, I know people from Armagh probably feel a little bit of disrespect here, but like, I take the down club football, for example. I would say the top four or five teams in down would comfortably win the Armagh Senior Championship, Club Championship. And I mean that genuinely. I don't think Armagh club football is particularly that good. You know, Cross McLean's dominance obviously is over. Uh, you know, you have the likes of Clan Earn now who believe they can win it, Mahri who believe they can win it. You know, Green Moore, you know, Pierce, so all these clubs have now believed they win it, whereas years before, Joe, they never believed they'd win it. And the standard, I've been a lot of Armagh club football, and standard is not fantastic. So I actually think Nagini deserves a lot of credit for, for the group of players that he has got involved in Armagh. He's got rid of the Messers, Joe. He's got rid of the Bluffers. He's got lads in that want to play for the county. They're in a high-performance environment. Julie Davis has made a massive impact from an S&C point of view. You know, they've added in Kieran Donaghy, obviously, who's come in with a basketball mantra, and he's introducing, you know, small patterns of offensive play, you know, the, the smooth call that I could hear them shouting last year when they were playing in the athletic grounds, you know, of slowing the play down. And that's all from basketball and it's, and it's great. And the players are buying into it, but you know, they're, 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 I think McGinney touched on it as well. They've probably got everything just haven't got over the line, you know, and, and I think that this is a big, big year for them, obviously, you know, even both from the National League perspective, if they could finish in the top three or four in the National League, it would give them a great boost, Joe, getting into Ulster. But the, the mad thing is, Joe, like Armagh could finish in a league final and still lose the first round of the championship to Donegal, you know, and, and, and I think without getting into structures tonight, because my God would be here all night if we started on structures, 
it does it does sort of you know it'll sort of pain me to sort of say like and geez I need to be careful with all due respect but like a Westmeath or a Longford could could make a provincial final like and but yet an Armagh could be knocked out in the first round of their provincial and their season could be over you know and I just don't think it's I just don't think it's right, you know. I don't. I just don't think it's right. So it is something that we need to look at, you know, because Ulster's so lopsided that everybody can beat anybody on any given day. But it is. It is something that's been labelled at Kieran probably um, as a manager that he's never really, you know, got over the line in Ulster. And I think they've only won, you know, one or two high-profile Ulster championship games in his time. But again, it is. It is a minefield at Ulster, like so. But I think this year there seems to be a wee bit more about them, Joe. A wee bit more about them, and obviously in in Rio and O'Neill. They possess one of the best forwards in the country at the present moment in time. They've unearthed, they've unearthed young Kieran Mackin. I think that's a story in itself that, in a family of of six or seven siblings, you have Kieran and Connor both playing for Armagh seniors, and you've you've Blahin and, and Amy playing for Armagh senior ladies. You know, and and the two girls are, are two of the best footballers in Ireland. So there'll be some there, there's some genes in that family anyway. I can tell you in the Mackin. So, but they they've unearthed a couple of real clinkers, Joe. They've unearthed a couple of real clinkers this year, and obviously you've got the likes of Turbo and that coming off the bench and gives them a great impact. But on Sunday, Joe, the, the standout thing for me was uh, people talk about Arma, our Mayo's press and the way they went after Arma, but it was four turnovers. Arma were three points up or two points up, and it was four, four simple turnovers that you make it away with in Division 2 that you just don't get away with in Division 1, Joe, you know, because you're punished with the ball in the back of the net. And I seen it first hand last year, you know, heading into the last 10, 12 minutes against Kerry and you're, you're 13 all at home and, you know, Kerry are down to 14 and you think you have the game, you're going to win the game and you give the ball away once and all of a sudden they've won one on you before you can even turn around, you know, and that's that's top level. That's what happens at the top level. And that's why Mayo have been at the top level, you know, and that's, that's why Armagh were punished on Sunday. So I still think, Joe... Maybe possibly enough to win Ulster if everything goes well. You know, if everything really falls for them, uh, they could possibly get to an Ulster final. Who knows? But it's it's very very difficult to win Ulster, Joe. Very very difficult. And obviously Mayo, Daniel uh, beat them at the weekend. Uh, Mayo seem to be quietly going about their business this year in the league. They're they're joint top there with Kerry. How do you see them going in the last sort of three games? Yeah, they, they look pretty good. Like it's funny, they they spent probably James Horace nearly spent a decade trying to build a team of athletes to compete with Dublin. But I think that's actually never been the place that they've been struggling with Dublin. You know, there, there is probably more on the kind of organizational side. But as a result of that, he's got a team of middle third kind of powerhouses, kind of a la Dublin, as we we're saying. James McCarthy and Fenton and these ads could have been 800 meter runners in a different life. You know, but it's um I I I like what Mayor are doing at the moment, but. Again, when it comes to that, the crunch, when it comes to the second half of an All-Ireland final and you need some structure to go back to, I'm not, I still, I'm not sure if it's there for them, you know, and, and I think it's what caught them out with Tyrone, they just, they're, they're, they're fantastic to watch as a neutral, like they're, they're unbelievable, I was watching a few minutes of the highlights of their, um, of their Turnover. We had six last bombing down full pelt. I, I I love watching Mayo. I say from James Horn's point of view, they must give them they must give them heart attacks because they're they're, they're they can be all over the place and they were better against the wind with a high press. Which logic, you know, and I I hurt. Okay, uh, I think we have just a few issues there, connection issues. I don't, I'm not sure who it's with. 
Okay, so just before we move on to division two, three, and four, which we'll talk about briefly, a quick word from our sponsors, Ripped. Ripped asks, are you tired of the limitations of using Excel and email to deliver programs? Ripped can help you simplify the creation and delivery of training programs, making it easier for you to provide everything your clients and athletes need, all at their fingertips. With training load well-being and nutrition monitoring, so you get the full picture of your clients and athletes' performance. To find out more, head over to www.ripped.app and use the code LOCKERROOM, that's caps, all caps, LOCKERROOM, to get your two-month free trial. Okay, man, we'll move on to Division 2. So if we have a look at Division 2 now, um, Sitting at the top of that table now in Division 2 is Derry. And if you look at Derry, Derry are absolutely flying, Stevie. Uh, they've scored uh, something like, I think they've scored six goals and 67 points. But also, more interestingly, they've only conceded 30 uh, points in those four games and they haven't conceded any goals. Obviously, we know Rory Gallagher and his uh, sort of watertight defence system that he has, but they're doing it at the attacking end as well, Stevie. So how do you think, how do you see that uh, division going? Yeah, listen, Derry, Derry are a fine side, Joe. And I think from a development point of view, you know, Gallagher's obviously, I think, into his second or third year now, I think, you know, and obviously, albeit the COVID obviously had hit before, like, but they, they were doing, it's, I think it's it's not, <laughs> I don't think it's any hidden secret now that when we were all in lockdown, Derry were training three or four nights a week. Like, I think that was, that was plainly obvious to everybody. Like, and I think the, the I think people in Derry were sort of saying it was it was mental the training they were doing. But look, good luck to them because they've obviously made massive gains, Joe. You know, tactically, physically, and mentally. You know, Rory obviously got his stamp on them during those quieter months, and that would have had a big, big impact in their development. You know, and, and their trust with him as well. And look, Rory will throw everything at his coaching, and you know, he's a he's a brilliant coach, and he's maximised every every team he's gone to. He seems to have maximised you know a lot out of them. The likes of Fermanagh, even you know club sides in Kilkenny. You know, but they're they're always well organized, you know, always extremely well organized. Uh, he does a lot of Rory would do a lot of what I would call sideline coaching, Joe. Um, you know, he coaches an awful lot from the sideline, like and and you can hear him during games as well, you know, giving players multiple directions during games. And one of the key things that I felt, Joe, that has changed from Rory's time at Donegal was the speed of the transition. Uh, particularly against Cork, the goal that, that the goal that Benny Hearn scored against Cork came from a save from the goalkeeper. McKeg took off. Uh, slipped it inside, I think Shane McGuigan, and it was slipped across. And 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 Benny Hearn, you know, I think from 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 back to front, it was something like you know 14, 15 seconds in transition, and that's something that Derry have improved on massively. Joe is 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 their ability to transition, and I think the likes of Kieran McFaller from 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 Waddy Graham Glens is an absolute Rolls Royce of a footballer. Rolls Royce of a footballer, and I, I think you know if if moving forward, if teams are going to shut Derry down. They've got to really look at matching up on him and 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 really tagging him because an awful lot of Derry's really good play goes through him. And on the first night, Joe, when they played down as well, you know, McFall was immense. I couldn't believe. I don't even think McFall. I don't even think McFall could believe that there was no one on him. You know, and and that that those type of players just can't be left, Joe, uh, unmarked. You know, because they've they've got a serious serious high level of of influence on games. So Derry's in a great place. And that win at the weekend was the one win where I felt there might have been a banana skin for them. Uh, they have a mammoth game coming up next against Roscommon. Um, you know, I, I was very impressed with Roscommon the other night. So Derry, Derry will have their hands full there because 
Roscommon are, are playing very, very direct football at the minute. Um, you know, the likes of Kieran McKeown or Cahill Hennigan, you know, and the Smith, they'll really go at you. They'll really go at you and they'll not be afraid of of a team setting up defensively against them, you know, and, and they're they get a lot of height and a lot of width in their attack. So this will be this will be a big, big test for Jerry now in two weeks, Joe. Big test. Uh, just an impre- interesting point there, Daniel, that um, Stevie Race was at sideline coaching. Um, Roy Gallagher seems to do a lot of it. The likes of Bonte McEnany does a lot of it. But there are other coaches that don't really say that much on the sideline and they just let the players play. play it. What, what type of coach are you? <laughs> I, I know what I'd like to be. <laughs> but I, I, I think it's, it's very hard to kind of... Um, kind of purposely be a silent coach or purposely uh, be a sideline coach you know I, I think you're either one or one or the other but definitely I kind of get caught into the um the, the louder side of <laughs> the louder side of things sometimes but you got that it's, from Stevie. It, it's it, <laughs> I suppose you're, you're kind of influenced by what you're around most often I guess but well <laughs> I, I I always felt like as, as long as it's positive and sometimes you're not even given directions really it's more so about just bringing energy and if, if there's a good contact there's a good turnover that that your energy can feed onto onto the onto the pitch, so it's 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 not necessarily anything specific. It's just it's just more uh, noise and bluster. And again, where, where do we get a best from? <laughs> <laughs> um, just talking about that sack division too, there, Daniel. Uh, what teams have sort of impressed you, and what what teams have disappointed you in Division Two? Yeah, well, there's, I, there seems to be a, a fair split between the top maybe four and then the bottom four in Division Two. Um, but from I, I just from what I've seen in Galway so far, I've only seen bits and pieces. They, they seem to have. I know John Devley has gone in there, and there was a bit of talk about Keane O'Neill. I know Pascal Han brought him up one day on the, on the Sunday game, but I, I think John Devley has brought a real edge to them, you know. And there's kind of similar to what Kieran McKeever has done in our man. It's not they get labelled defensive coaches, but it, it's a little bit more than that. It's not just about uh, giving player defensive structure. I think he's brought a bit of steel and a bit of edge to them. And, you know, I think they're kind of striking a little bit of balance. When, when Joyce came in first, it was, you know, it was all out. It was man-to-man, we're, we're going to play, this is the goal away. And fairly quickly they realised, well, that's not going to work. And he reverted back to kind of a, a more traditional sort of a, where we would have been with 13 or 14 behind the ball. And they kind of seem to have got a little bit of balance now where they're able to defend with 11 as effectively as they could with 13. And it, it just seems to have brought an edge to them. And it's kind of, it's creating spaces for, for, for their kind of transition players and their flow players. And I just saw Shane Walsh, he got a goal at the weekend against, against Cork and I've just never seen like him. But I mean, I think, I think all were just are sensational. And, and if they get that balance between the two, right, I, I think they could have a massive year. Maybe not necessarily in the league, but I think when it comes to, when it comes to Connacht and if they got a nice, if they got a nice side of a draw coming into an All-Ireland sort of a series, it, it, it could be a little dark horse, but but I think definitely Dibley has made a huge difference them defensively. Yeah, they seem to have found uh, sort of that extra player, transition player between sort of defence and, and attack. Owen Gallagher, ex-Antrim there, now plays for them, and he seems to be very good. Um, mm-hmm. Stephen, I know you mentioned Russ Common there and um, their their impressive win over Down. Obviously, we don't want to turn this into a Down GA podcast, but Down were, were absolutely awful at the weekend. They were they were pathetic, Joe. Pathetic, and there's no other way of describing them. Um, you know, listen, uh, James James's interview after the game was was very cutting. Uh, he said the players the players didn't didn't work as hard enough as the opposition. Um, you know, and for 
for a manager to come out and say that you know, it's obviously very, very, it's very honest, you know, as well. And I know that James and, and, and Aidan have gone in there quite late and, you know, they, they've they've obviously been been dealt a, a sort of a shorthand a little bit, I suppose, in that respect. I just think, Joe, the best players aren't playing for down. Uh, we need to get to the bottom of that. We need to get to the bottom of that as a county very quickly. We need to look at our structures, Joe, from the bottom up. Um, we need a complete revamp and rebranding from everywhere. Um, you know, fresh faces, fresh blood. Um, you know, we need the county on board. We need all our clubs on board because we're we're, we're spiraling into a bit of a, a bit of a dismal place, to be honest with you. And it and it, it is it is frustrating because you know there's a lot of good work going on in schools and the likes of that. You know, and we just need to be very very careful, Joe, because it's a slippery slope. And the further you fall, you know, obviously the harder it is to get back. And you know, for me on Saturday night. Joe, the biggest thing for me on Saturday night was there was hardly a whimper when Darren scored. When Darren made a substitution, there was hardly a clap. Like, I remember nights in Nuri with my father, boy, and the place rocking. And I mean rocking. Saturday night nights in Nuri, you know, teams coming there, you know, not getting it easy. We beat Dublin there once, Joe, you know, in, in, a, in a National League game, you know, not that long ago. Not that long ago, you know, and you're going probably going back about nine or eight or nine years ago. But Saturday night was just so limp, Joe. It was so limp. Uh, you know, we, we don't seem to have a kick-out strategy. We don't we don't seem to have any real direction when we attacked. It was a free kick in the first half uh, that we won a free kick. And there was nine players on the edge of the D behind the free taker on the edge of the D. Nine players inside our, or on our 21 or inside our 21. And the free taker was actually trying to encourage them to get forward, you know. And, and that's just desire, Joe. That's just desire, you know. And I think, you know, Paddy Talley was sort of laughed at and sneered at for saying that, you know, down need a group of players that are going to commit for 10 years, you know, to the cause. And if you look, Joe, from 2018, down have used 84 players, 84 players in four years or five years. Like, like that's a phenomenal statistic. I don't think there's any other county in Ireland that have used that level of players, you know. And I think that that's a big, big impact, Joe. When you've no consistency in your panel, you've no consistency to S&C, you've no consistency to, to being exposed at the highest level. And I feel sorry for the likes of Owen Murdoch there. I worked with Owen as an underage player. He's a fantastic talent. Um, I was worried when I sort of seen him being propelled into that environment at 19 years of age. He's playing middle of the field at the minute. And, and like he's having some tough nights and it's not his fault. And I hope the down supporters and, you know, realize that the likes of Owen is the future and he's going to become a fantastic midfielder for his club and his county, but he needs time, Joe. And at 19 to be fired in at that, you know, it's, it's very, very difficult because Daniel, I'll tell you as well, because obviously he's been there and he, and he's played for, you know, from when he was a very, very young age for Carlo at senior to county level. But, Surely Daniel, it takes three to four years of conditioning and, and, and mental toughness to really compete at that level. Would that, would that not be right, Nick? No? Yeah, 100%. I mean, I, I played my first turn leaving cert and uh, 2008, and then I spent two years with, with hamstring problems because you're, you're, you're just being exposed to proper S&C. You're being exposed to, to, to an intensity in training you've never been exposed to. Then you've you're throwing your club on top of that. You're throwing under 21, which it was at the time, on top of that as well. And literally from about, I'd say, 19 to 22, I didn't play a whole lot of football. Like, you know, I, I remember by the time I was getting to 24, I was just praying to play more than two league games because I had a, had a great first spell and it was it was all going. Then all of a sudden it was just, no, it's, it's, it's not working anymore, you know, and the, kind of, the body gave in a little bit. But it definitely, like, it, it, it takes four, four, five, six years even away from the gym and away from all the other bits and pieces, even just to, to, to know how to get through a game at intercounty level, especially as a midfielder, because you can you can expend an awful lot of energy 
kind of chasing shadows a little bit. And if and if especially if your team is not playing with direction, you can just get lost. And as a 19 year old, you're trying to do everything you possibly can to. And I, I saw him in the county final. He's a fabulous footballer, like you know. But if you're just letting him go out there and just play off the cuff, and he's he's on end of Smith there last last weekend, you know, that's a tough place for a young lad to be. And he'll probably have to be very mentally strong because as you say, like crowd get on the back, you know, he's a great white hope. And if if things aren't going well. It, it could kind of poison a lot of young lads and a lot of that down panel obviously there is a, a history of because of the turnover of players no no different to carlo lads have a, a poor experience there and just say just say to themselves ah maybe maybe this is not worth the flack you know and 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 that is the danger for for a lot of counties around that lower to middle tier joe uh, daniel also mentioned a word when he was talking about dublin there about the chemistry up front as well like the other night it was so individual you know everybody just wants to sail their own ship you know, there's solo runs, solo runs, blind alleys, blind alleys, shot selections, you know, 3v2 situations where the, the, the man in the ball is looking at the man where he should be giving it, ignoring him. You know, that that individual sort of sporadic attacking where go back to, you know, go back to, you know, Marty talking at one of the coaching evenings we ran with your fella. And like he said, Benny didn't even have to do anything, just the ace, you know, just that little bit of, just the wee ace to look and he knew where to pop a ball and that, that chemistry, that joined up thinking, you know, when you have Poli in that team as well, and John and Conor McGinn and Paul McComiskey, real smart footballers, but team players, team players first and foremost, Joe, you know, and that's that's a key thing. At the minute, we're playing with a lot of individuals, you know, and that's very difficult at inter-county level, and particularly against Galways and Roscommons and Derrys, who are so united and so well organised, you know, and that's... You know, it, it's a bit like the old adage, like that. That you know, if you're organised and you work hard, you know, you'll give most teams a good game. You know, and talent, talent will just get you so far. And and the days, Daniel, I think, like you know yourself, like we've had this chat as well. Like you know, people talk about down coming from nowhere and stuff. Like those, those days are gone, Joe. Like they're gone. You know, you don't teams just don't appear anymore and just you know come off the cuff and play it. It just doesn't happen. There's so much now to you know with analysis of opposition and matchups and you know, defensive structures, kick-out strategies, offensive patterns, you know, key men up front, you know, what you're looking to do, clearing the D, you know, all sorts of sort of key things. And, you know, the analysis of the game has gone has gone through the roof. Like, and it's it's all of the days you just sort of show up and say, look, we're down and, and we're better than this team. You know, it's, it's gone. Those days are gone, you know. And, and all that sort of, <clears throat> the organisation is one thing, Stevie, the tactical side, but James McCartan mentioned the effort. The players weren't putting in an effort that's bound to hurt those down players. You know, they're bound to have pride and there's bound to be a reaction to that. Well, I'd love to ask Daniel the question that if, if myself and Turlick O'Brien came out when he was playing for Carlo and said the players weren't trying, like, how would you feel, Daniel? Um, as far as I'd be concerned, you, you have to have something to buy into. Players want to play. Players want to play well. There's no player that wants to go out and embarrass himself. There's no player that wants to lose a game. But I know myself sometimes if things weren't great, you can it can sour things a little bit for you and you know <laughs> trying hard is one thing but if you don't have a structure to try hard in you can run around like an agent for 60 minutes and not get near balls so look as I said I don't know the inner workings you know better than me but um from what I can see down don't particularly have much of a structure or an identity and I don't really know what they're about like are they you know, as you said, the, the, the team of old, uh, the, the, the teams of years ago, or are they going to create something for themselves, a new, a new kind of a down? You know, it's, it's, it's very hard to see that. And if I was one of those players and my manager told me I'm not trying hard, I'd be kind of like, yeah, well, you know, what, what are we doing here? Like, what, what, what have management team put in place for us to actually buy into? How can we, how can we create scenarios 
where our efforts are actually rewarded. So creating kind of overloads in the tackle or creating kind of opportunities from kickout plans or kickout presses, you know. So players will buy into something if they're given something to buy into. In my history, this isn't junior football where lads just want points. Like this is intercounty football and these lads are serious and they're giving up three quarters of their week probably to this. So I, it's a surprising statement and I'm not sure Mike will have the reaction he wants. Well, it'll be interesting to see what happens. Uh, lads, briefly moving on to Division 3 and 4. We've just got a couple of minutes left. Division Division 3 there, Stephen. Uh, Limerick, top. Uh, Antrim, second. Uh, then we've got Louth, Westmead, Leash, Fermanagh, Longford, then Wicklow uh, at the bottom there. Who do you expect to come out of that group for? How do you see that group going? Big shock at the weekend. Uh, I think Billy Lee, Billy Lee would be delighted with the... Um, He'd be delighted, uh, Joe, with the result of the weekend. Uh, from I cut off there, Joe, did I? No, nope, you're still on. Joe, yeah, I think Billy Lee would be delighted at the weekend with the result from from Louth. Um, you know, beating Westmead, that's blown the division wide open. That was a big shock, Joe. Uh, I didn't see that coming. Now, to be honest with you, um, so but obviously when when Louth have a forward like Sam Roy, who's who's up there with with some of the best forwards in Leinster, you know, you've always got a chance. But hats off to Billy Lee. He's working with. With a group of players, he's probably lost five or six to the hurling panel, Joe. Um, you know, lads that would be fit to play, and obviously hurling and Limerick is first and foremost at the present moment in time. So the footballers are a poor relation. So he's doing a fantastic job, Joe. Fantastic job, and and listen, I would love to see him promoted. Obviously, Longford are struggling, and I sort of think I said in the show as well, like a big step for young Billy O'Loughlin to win there at his first intercounty job, and. Huge, huge step up, Joe. You know, so it's it's probably no surprise to see Longford struggling a little bit there. But I, at my money, probably will be on on Limerick to squeeze it, and maybe possibly one from Westmeath and Antrim, Joe. Would you agree with that, Daniel? Yeah, um, it, it'll be interesting from a Limerick point of view because they've never really been in a in a scenario like this before, where they're, where their favourites, they're they're kind of almost expected to go up nearly at this stage they look like they have themselves in pole position so it'll be it'll be very interesting to see if they can kind of hold that out and, and maintain maintain composure you know because it's, it's definitely a tough position to be in if you're a perennial underdog for most of your careers in intercounty football or as Limerick football is no different than ourselves would have been it, it, it the pressure comes on for the last couple of games so it'll be interesting to see if they tighten up or, or stick to the kind of principles that they have been playing with um, I, I just have a sneaky suspicion Westmead eventually will kind of come through we played them an awful lot over the years, and they're they're a gnarly sort of a hardened team, and they just have a couple of the little bit of gold dust to sprinkle over it as well. So I still think they'll have um, they'll have a bit of a say. They'll probably be disappointed disappointed losing the loud at the weekend, but I still think they'll they'll probably be there thereabouts with a shout. Um, Antrim, like come down to Leash, even was a, was a was a fairly big result for them, you know, because it's not an easy place to go, and and Leash are always Leash are always an awkward team as as we may have encountered once, <laughs> once or twice, but. Um, yeah, I still have a little sneaky suspicion. I think I think Limerick are in a good spot, and I just think Westmead might uh, Westmead might follow. Okay, and moving on to Division Four, lads. Obviously, your old team, Carlo, played Cavan at the weekend. There, um, Cavan beat them by four or five points, I think. Um, top of the league is Cavan. You'd expect Cavan to go through. Obviously, Lutton got beat at the weekend. Then you've got Sligo, Leitrim, Tipperary, Wexford, Carlo second from, from the bottom. But there are sort of signs coming out there of Carlo that things are getting a little bit better. 
Yeah, it's um, I have a, have a fair bit of sympathy to be honest with you for the lads that are in there at the moment. You know, it's it's a tough slog. There's a lot of kind of similar to the down scenario. There's a lot of 18, 19, 20 year olds who have been kind of thrust into intercounty football with with not even senior experience with their clubs. You know, and you know there, there's definitely a cohort of players around the 27, 28 age group playing for the bigger senior clubs in Carlo who should be there and for one reason or another have decided not to. But Look, from Niall Crow's point of view, he can only he can only play with what's there. And to be honest, I was kind of I was delighted for the lads, like especially my old friend of mine, Dara Foley, still plugging away there, and he he's still kind of leading the line for them. And like it's there, there are some there are some really genuine fellas that are that are just dragging it along. And I, I'm you know I was kind of nervous for them going up the cabin, especially after the Sligo game. I know they had a good win against Waterford, but that probably psychologically wouldn't be a massive thing for them because we play Waterford every year practically, so it's, it's a good win, but. Going up to Cavan after the Sligo game was was a little bit iffy, and they were two points down after playing against or with the wins. So I was a little bit kind of nervous that I was following them on Twitter, and it's been nervous for them. But in fairness to them, they just kept grinding it out, grinding it out. And the young lad Jamie Clark, Stevie Noam, he was in and out of our team back around 2017, 2018. Fantastic footballer, and he's kind of he's taken on the mantle, kind of uh, of one of the new leaders. And we just we just need more. We just need more of them, you know. And it, it's it's a it's a harsh place to learn your lessons sometimes. And look, it's. It's it's a tough, it's a very tough spot. It's a very tough spot for them to be in, and I think, in fairness, the, the, the best they can hope for is just keep that consistency performance. You know, the, the wins and the losses look take them as they come, but at least if they're performing and, and competitive, there's not much more I think the Carlo public can ask for really, given the scenario. I suppose Stevie, that's right. You know, as long as you're improving gradually throughout the league, that's all you can ask for. Yeah, unquestionably, Joe, you know, and I suppose uh, it's probably uncomfortable for yourself to talk about it being involved as a coach, but I have to say in London, it's been a brilliant story as well, Joe. Uh, I'm well aware of the logistic nightmare it is for you going to training on tubes and, you know, even ch- chatting to Kevin there yesterday after Maybridge match, like, and he was sort of saying, like, he went over to see his one year and it took him two hours to get from his hotel to, to Ruslip, like, and he was, he still, he thought, he didn't realise he was still in London after two hours in the tube, you know, so... <laughs> It is, it is, a, it is an absolute logistic nightmare for these guys. And you know, Rooslip has obviously been developed now in a fantastic, fantastic complex. And you know, it's just a pity you, you hadn't got the win at the weekend because I think if you'd have got the win at the weekend, promotion was actually really achievable because because obviously Leitrim under Andy Moore there was a lot of hype, but sort of knew myself Andy was going to have his hands full there. Like I just don't think the quality's there, the strength and depth's not there, and. You know, it's difficult probably from Andy's mantra to go in with, you know, that the, the sort of Mayo mentality that he would have had playing and very, very difficult to sort of not try and integrate things that you were doing, you know, at Mayo and the, into that. And sometimes you have to cut the clock at in Division 4 and, you know, Gavin are doing enough and they'll get out of Division 4 comfortably. And then it's one from, I'd say, one from three or four. You know, you're still there, Joe. You're still fighting. And, uh, you know, Tipperary are, are sort of hanging about as well. They'll be hard to beat. Um, you know, I think Carlo Daniel touched and I think Carlo have played now Waterford um and, and London as well. So Carlo have taught some tough games going. I think they're out of the promotion hunt at this stage. But so you're probably looking at, at one from one from maybe temporary uh, uh or uh, possibly yourselves, Joe. You know? Yeah, certainly if if you told me that London were going to be on, you know, six points after four games, you would have obviously taken that. So, you know. It's, it's been really good for yeah. with the uh, especially with the win bonuses that you guys are on the management team I know I know we won't mention that though Stevie I'll have to cut that out hey? <laughs> uh, just to finish off uh, Daniel how do you see that division ending up division 4 yeah I I, I still think Leitrim could come good eventually um, 
it's yeah it's, it's it's a tough one like because you know yourself Joe like week to week it's very hard to to kind of get that consistency and it's very hard to know um what 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 some what sometimes is going to be turned out you know so it's um yeah Cavan looked like they're they're pretty much at their ease I think they're 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 moving fairly nicely um Leitrim are they, I know Stevie said they might have the strength and depth but like isn't isn't the massive division for because most countries probably don't have it. You know that that is the reality. But his um, his expertise and even from his, his SNC background as well. You know I think as this league goes on, I think they might get a little bit stronger. So if I was to give a little nod, I I probably go towards Leitrim. You won't thank me for saying it, but. <laughs> Don't worry, don't worry. We'll we'll not get you back on the show then. We will get you back on if London get promoted. Fair. <laughs> okay, lads. Well, uh, thanks very much for joining us. Thanks very much, especially uh, Daniel, and thanks Stevie for joining us. And we'll see you in two weeks' time. Thank you.